WDBM East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? And that last play by the Giants totally gave the rest. This MSU team deserves to be in a BCS game. Still and always will be hockey time. Fire Leland. You can't hit in this league. You're garbage. Coming up on today's Spartan Sports Wrap, we continue our Impact Sports Summer Series. Dan Tyler and Louis Bellata cover NBA draft hockey and a whole lot more. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Monday once again and welcome to the Spartan Sport Trap each week on Impact 89 FM. This is MSU Student Radio. I'm Alex Sharg, your usual host of the Spartan Sport Trap, but like I said in previous weeks, we are expanding the sports team here at Impact 89 FM and I'm proud to present today Louis Bellata and Dan Tyler who will be taking you through the week of sports and a whole lot more in-depth analysis coverage. Take it away guys. What's going on East Lansing? This is Louis Bellata. A few things we will run through today. We're going to go through the NBA draft preview. Uh, we'll go through our mock drafts and who we think stands out the most. We'll go through who do we think the Pistons should pick. We'll talk about the NBA Finals and LeBron's legacy. And a little that's about halfway through the show. On the other half, we'll talk about the NBA All- or the MLB All-Star Game. If you like the format, if you think that the, the winning team should have the home field advantage in the uh, World Series, if you like that or not, we'll talk about the Tigers' rotation. We'll talk a little JV Kate Upton. And if we have time, we'll talk about the NHL playoffs and the Detroit Red Wings' free agency and who they should pick or sign. Uh, but coming up right now, we're going to talk about the preview. Dan, what do you think about the draft? Uh, i got to say, overall, I think it's the weakest draft I can think of in uh, recent memory. Um, a while, for a while, it seemed like Nerlens Noel was the consensus overall number one pick. My big problem with him is the guy's 6'11 and 206 pounds. You know, the average small forward coming in around 230 pounds at the NBA. Something doesn't really add up for a center there. Yeah, no and, doubt it'll be pushed around. Yeah, and, um, you know, now it looks like the new consensus, number one, as of about two days ago, is this Alex Len from Maryland. You know, you didn't hear much about him in uh, in his first college season, but he's starting to make some buzz around his size. You know, he's seven one, about... Um, 255. 255, something like that. Yeah, so he's a bigger body, obviously, addressing some concerns that people had with Noel. And they actually matched up in the first game of the season last year when, you know, like Noel is small size. He bodied him around a lot, you know, dropping 23 and I think 15 on Nerlens. But the rest of the season, he didn't really show that kind of power, that mm-hmm. kind of strength against people in the ACC. Like Mason Plumley. he didn't body him up like that. So I have big concerns with who's going to go where in this draft and I just overall think it's pretty weak yeah I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to take Nerlens Norlands just be or Noel not Norlands I'm sorry and uh but just because of his hype and I'm I think it's risky picking a player from Europe that's just uh it's a different basketball style and I think the NBA is a little bit better and even though you can shine in the Euro the Euro League it's a little bit different magic and chemistry going on in the NBA that they're not quite used to um yeah, definitely he's going to go to the Cavs, I, I really think. I think they need they have they have some of the pieces to be a good team and I think uh Noel if he is what they if he plays out the way that he can help the team a lot. I could definitely see that, you know, um the another another problem I have with them though, I think I think the Cavs need some help immediately where it is. There's certain teams that, you know, they don't need help first game, you know, first first half of the season where Nerlens Noel is going to still be out recovering from his ACL tear. I think I think the Cavs need help now. I think they can't pass up on the best player in the draft. I think that's Ben McLemore from Kansas. He's you know six five, big guard. I know that they just picked Dion Waiters last year at the same position. I think he's just too good of a player. He has too much of an upside to pass on the first pick. He's got a Ray Allen like stroke, the quick, re- 
quick release, excuse me. Um, you know, they might have a little bit of trouble in the first couple weeks, you know, how do you play Waiters and uh, McLemore at the same time. But I think that backcourt combined with Kyrie Irving, who is the next up, I think he's going to be a star in the league. He already no. is, but I think there's just too much to pass up on for the Cavs. And they still have picks later in the draft where they can get more big men, I think. Yeah, with the 19th pick, they could definitely pick somebody else that would help them out big time. You know, a need. Yeah, there's a lot of big bodies in this draft. There's people... Not just Alex Len and Nerlens Noel, but there's Plumley who's supposed to drop. There's the Steven Adams, who's a really big body from Pittsburgh. I actually watched him a little bit in the draft combine. Saw him miss a shot rarely from mid-range, so I think he could be a good pickup for that team as well. I think they can address their need for a big man later on, but they just can't pass up on McLemore with his first pick. Yeah, I could go with that, but I think McLemore should go to uh, the Phoenix Suns. I feel like they need some. They need a big score. They need an impact player. They don't really have much of anybody. The team's kind of falling apart. And I feel like if he drops and nobody picks him, that's where he should go. If he, um, the Suns, the, I'm sure would be ecstatic yeah. if yeah. he dropped that far, you know, because they definitely do need a scorer. You know, I can tell you later when we get back, like further in the mock draft, I can say who I have there. But I definitely think they do need a scorer to strengthen up that backcourt. I agree with you there. All right. Well, since we're talking about different players now, we might as well just go through a mock draft, Dan. <laughs> We'll go first. We're going to go one through eight here, folks. Yeah, one through eight because, you know, obviously the, the Pistons have that eighth pick, so we yeah. figure we might as well go through as, to see what our uh, Detroit Pistons are going to do with it. But like I said, first I had Ben McLemore going to the Cavs. Second I have uh, Victor Oladipo going to the Magic. I think he has the highest upside of anybody in this draft I can think of. He came out, had a huge junior year, wasn't really that known going into his junior season in Indiana. But obviously, you know, us Spartan fans, we saw him dominate Michigan State throughout the year. It was pretty brutal to watch, defensively and offensively. I think he just has it all. He's going to bring his defensive intensity every game, which can obviously change the game so much. He can pick up a guard, full court pressure, at will almost, it seems like. And he's a great slasher, athletic, strong, physical. If he gets his shot going a little bit better, you know, corner three, like you see Shane Battier always drop in. That can just make him an all-star, but I think he immediately can start changing the game with his defense. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, my first three picks, I got Noel, of course, going to Cleveland. I feel like they got a little bit of cap space. They could sign a veteran to help them out while uh, Noel re- recovers from his surgery. I got Oladipo as well going to the Magic. I think he can be the new uh, Jameer Nelson. He can mentor him while uh, you know Victor's just trying to figure out the league a little bit. And I got Otto Porter going to the Wizards. Uh, you had Ben McLemore? Or, I'd Porto. Oh, you had, oh, I, yeah, Porter we agree well. on this one. Okay, yeah, we agree on this one because I don't think yeah. they need a guard. They got John Wall. They got Bradley Beal. Uh, they just need. A, they just need a big guy. They don't really have much much name on their team, and they have potential when everybody's healthy. But I mean, Wall is always hurt. Beal had a Beal is flirting with injuries, and if Porter can stay healthy and they can all stay healthy, I think they'll have a they'll show potential this year. Yeah, I agree. That's why I put them there because I think those the one, two, three players right there. Assuming Otto Porter goes there and he would probably get the starting role, could just be a prolific offense. You know, Porter at Georgetown, he's a big physical three, maybe sometimes a four position in college. I think he'll fit in well at a three in the NBA, but he actually shot 42% from three his year at Georgetown, which is pretty, you know, pretty ridiculous for his guy, his size, and with his versatility, you know, he can also slash, defend the post pretty well. I think that that would just be a prolific offense as much as possible for the uh, for the Wizards. I think they can't pass up on Porter if he drops to the third pick, which I think he will. I definitely agree. Uh, with my fourth pick, I have Anthony Bennett going to the Charlotte Bobcats, or are they going to be the Hornets? I'm not quite sure. 
You know about that? Oh, yeah, I did hear about that. You know, somebody's got to take the name of the Hornets. Yeah, exactly. New Orleans. Go a little retro. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I don't like did. the Bobcats. They were trying to go with the whole NASCAR theme. They had, like, the checkered flag jerseys. That's not meant in basketball. Yeah. Just keep that out of there. Yeah. No, but, um, no, Anthony Bennett going to the Bobcats, I mean, just as everybody else knows, they need help. He will definitely provide help if he turns out to be what everybody says he is with Michael Kid Grill, Chris, and uh, what's the guy from Connecticut? Who is he? Okafor? No, not Okafor. It's all guy. Kimball Walker. Oh, Kimble excuse Walker. me. Uh, yes, yeah, Kimball Walker. For that one. I feel like uh, that backcourt would be pretty good with Bennett. And uh, and he would just, I don't know, Ben Gordon would just go away. And then I have Ben McLemore going to the Suns, as I said before, because I think the team's falling apart. If he falls, they definitely are going to take him, so they need to score. And I have uh, Trey Burke going to the Pelicans. What a bad the name. Pelicans. The Pelicans. He can... Uh, he can help their backcourt. They got Eric Gordon. Yeah. Eric Gordon will help mentor him, and then Trey Burke can be the leader. They're a young team. They don't have much leaders. And like uh, Anthony Davis would definitely need somebody to go off of. He doesn't have a lot of help over there. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, and then at seven, I have the the guy coming up through the draft stop, Alex Lin. Len? I don't know. I don't like Euro guys, but if he's good at 7-1, I think the Kings could uh, – he could pair up well with uh, – De- DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins, Cousins. yes. DeMarcus yes, Cousins. Yeah, what do you think? Um, you know, I'll just really quick go through my yeah. four through seven right there like you did. At four, I got your number one pick, Nerlens Noel, going. I originally, you know, to my friends, it's no question I'm not a pro Nerlens Noel guy. I think his size is too much of a question mark for the league. But, you know, again, like I said, that he doesn't, he's not going to help, obviously, the first half of the season. He's, yeah. His timetable for return, as I think, set at December. And the Bobcats, they don't need... I mean, they need help, obviously, right now, but there's nobody in this draft that is going to help them yeah. in the first half of the season immediately. I don't think it's that strong of a pick, or of a draft, excuse me. And at the fourth pick, they're certainly not going to get anybody that's going to just really come in and turn the team around oh, immediately. Yeah. So, the face of the franchise, which they yeah. need someone. I think they, they need someone who has the potential to help out more in the future. You know, get them, beef them up a little bit, let them heal... You know, maybe in a couple seasons he can be the guy that we think he will be. I think it's more of an investment for the Bobcats. They're they need help, yeah. But nobody's going to be able to help them out immediately. Yeah. Um, at five for the Suns, I got C.J. McCollum going. I agree with you. I think they need a lot of firepower on their offense, and he potentially might be the best scorer in this draft. He just didn't get a lot of notoriety coming one from Lehigh. Nobody knew this name until after they beat Duke. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament. But I think, and he got hurt also his senior year, so he had a really limited sample size. But I think, you know, he's a great three-point shooter. He's kind of a combo guard, point guard, shooting guard. He'll have to find a role at the Suns there. But I think, you know, that offensive firepower will help them out a lot. And then for the Pelicans, me and you both agree on that. You said Trey Burke, right? Yep. Yep, yeah, Trey Burke. Trey Burke. I actually think that, what they would do if they picked Trey Burke, I think they might try to ship out Eric Gordon. Yeah, there's been um, talk about that a lot. Yeah, you know, maybe years. maybe get a couple, because uh, he's been pretty injury prone. Mm-hmm. He's a good athlete and everything, coming from Indiana. And he's a tough, you know, physical guy, of course, coming from a Big Ten basketball team. But I think they could get more pieces around him, try to build their team a little bit more around, uh, around Trey Burke if they got him. And they got Grievous Vasquez, they can move to a two. So I think that's the right pick there. Then for seven with the Kings, I couldn't f- pick one person for it. I have two. I'm kind of cheating a little bit. I said either Anthony Bennett or Shabazz Muhammad. 
from UCLA. I think both of those guys are pretty similar. They're long, you know, big kind of three guards. Not really sure what their position is going to be, but if they can find a position, they're athletic, they're fast, they're strong, they're young. You know, the Kings are a young team. I think that could be a good, you know, good guy to try to build your team around a little bit. Yeah. They might have to do something with Hothead, DeMarcus Cousins, but... Yeah, hopefully he can simmer down. <laughs> That's outside of this draft, though. Oh, so. yeah, definitely. Who do you got going at 8 for the at Pistons, eight, though? At 8, I got Michael Carter-Williams out of Syracuse. I think, you know, the Pistons, I feel that they have they have talent that can't be unleashed right now on their team. Throughout the whole entire... I like a lot of their players, but they just don't sign people that can that can develop them. They got coaches coming in and out and when you don't have when you don't have only have a coach for like a year or two, you can't really develop somebody and you can't really develop a chemistry. I mean, they lose the locker room and they just need they just need help and I will have them at the point guard because I think I mean, they need a score. They need somebody who can just make some buckets. I, I think he can do that. If Trey Burke falls to number eight, there's a lot of talk about that. I don't think they should pick him. He's too small because they're thinking about Trey Burke and Brandon Knight, and that's just too small of a backcourt. It'll be like a Golden State game. It'll be like 130 to something, so there'll be no defense. They need a bigger guard at that. Um, I like Brandon Knight. I think he'd be better as a six-man coming off the bench if they got somebody else. But uh, Michael Carter-Williams is my pick. What about you? Oh, yeah, that's another one that we agree on. I, Again, you know, my friends could say this. I was not a big fan of MCW, Michael Carter-Williams at Syracuse. I thought he tried to shoot it too much. I thought he wasn't a pure enough point guard. He His assist-to-turnover ratio sometimes wasn't good. And when he matched up against Trey Burke in the uh, Final Four game, it was brutal. I think he had a, you know two assists to five turnovers and five points or something like that. I, you know, someone could check me on that. I might be a little off, but the numbers were poor. So I wasn't that big on him, but looking at where the Pistons draft stock is and where they need help, I think he's a good pick for him. He's a big physical point guard. I think if you moved Brandon Knight to a two position, which might fit him a little more, then you have the good front court, of course, and uh, Greg Monroe and Andre Drummond. Yeah, hopefully they can work work well together. I'm I'm questionable about them working well together, but I hope that they can. I hope they can. Yeah. Since neither of them can really stretch the court. They can only like sit in one spot. I think it would be cool, this is getting off topic a little bit, if they traded Greg Monroe to the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves for Kevin Love, my personal favorite NBA player. I think that would be, that'd be a dream scenario, but I'm getting ahead of myself. You know, oh yeah, I was actually going to bring that up a little bit later because I was thinking you know, maybe about the Cavs trying to ship out that first pick if they're not really liking who's, uh, who, who they can get at number one potentially and try to get Kevin Love. There's been rumors about that too. I think the. Because Kevin Love isn't happy. He wants to win and he's he's got a lot of talent, but the Timberwolves just aren't any good. <laughs> if he wants to win, I don't know if Detroit or Cleveland are the right spots. Yeah, but I think those teams have more potential though than the, than the Timberwolves. Definitely. The T Wolves are kind of going in the wrong direction. Yeah. They haven't drafted well recently. You know, when they picked Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. Within four picks of each other, whatever it was, a couple yeah. of years ago at the same position, it just isn't really making sense. So I agree why Love would wanna would wanna leave, and if the Pistons could get him, oh, I would, I'm not saying no to that. I'd go buy minute. tickets instantly. Oh yeah, I would start watching the games more. Yeah. I gotta say I've dropped off recently, but yeah, you know I think I think Michael Carter Williams would be a good a good pick. I, this is what I hope is going to happen, though, for, as a disclaimer, not what I think is going to happen because I can't predict what Juma, Joe Dumars is going to do. He, you know, made the team. He made some great, great trades when he got, you know, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, when he got a Shauncey and stuff like that. But then he just has the head-scratching moments with the Tracy McGrady's and giving Ben Garden and Charlie Villanueva so much money. Yeah. I don't know what the guy's going to do. And, of but, course, the infamous Darko pick. 
I didn't want to talk uh, about yeah. it, but since you brought it up, yeah. you know. And for the, those of you out there who don't know, Darko today called it quits after yeah. only, I think, nine seasons in the league. He averaged 1.5 points with the Pistons in two years. Staggering. Yeah, so definitely one of the all-time busts. You know, for a guy that was supposed to, his when people looked at him, when people scouted him going into the draft, you and I talked about this a little bit before the show, they said that he could do everything. He could guard nearly every position except for the point guard on the floor. He could shoot threes, he could take it to the rim, he could body people inside, and he could defend. And he couldn't even find his way on the floor. Oh, yeah. In how many, you said nine seasons it yep. was that he actually I played? I believe it was nine seasons. You know, that's... I don't know how all the analysts and scouts can be that wrong, but it was just like a perfect storm of everything bad happening into one player. And especially in such a stacked and historic class, it's oh, yeah. pretty... Definitely it, makes Pistons fans cry. It still hurts me to bring it up a little oh, bit, yeah. honestly, seeing you know Carmelo and Dwayne Wade go later in that pick, in that draft, excuse me. Pretty unbelievable. I don't know, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Well, speaking of some picks in that draft with Wade, LeBron, and Bosch, let's talk about the finals a little bit. Oh, man. You know, I'm not going to lie. I was definitely pulling for the Spurs. Never been much of a Heat guy, but you can't help but tip your hat to the Heat for what they did um, this postseason. They definitely had a tough and grueling playoffs, especially those last two series, taking it to seven with the Pacers and the Spurs. Those are two good physical teams as well. Um, you know, I can't. I can't hate on what they did. Yep. They they played some great basketball. They had some really exciting moments. LeBron definitely helped solidify himself a little more as one of the one of the better players of all time. I think he's he furthered his journey in the the quest for Jordan, I guess you could say. Yeah, definitely. I think that um if he would have lost the finals, I I every he would have gotten so much stuff. He gets a whole bunch of stuff now from the media and everybody, oh, but yeah. I mean, I, I was rooting for the Heat just because I wanted him to win that second championship. I wanted the back-to-back. There's all this talk about him being one of the best, and in order to be the best, you got to win championships. Right. And he did that, and I mean, the Spurs, I mean, I wouldn't have been sad if they won. You know, I, they're, they're a good team. They're, they're like the team from our generation, and it would have been nice to see Tim Duncan get one more before he called it quits, but it's LeBron's time, and... It's time for him to rack up a few titles. Yeah, it's LeBron's world. We're all just living in it. Oh, right? yeah. Um, it's a good way to put it. Yeah. You know, I agree, though. If if he didn't get this title, who knows what would have happened. The media would have had just a firestorm on him. Oh, he would have been eaten up. There would have been trade rumors galore all summer. You know, there even are trade rumors now. Speaking of oh. it, you know, people have said they might have to do something with Bosch. Um, what do you think? What do you think are some good free agent? They don't have many rooms for like free agent moves, but trade moves possibly in the off season for the Heat. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I mean, the whole like unrealistic one was get like get Dwight Howard in there, bring him back to Florida. Oh but, my like, goodness, yeah. <laughs> that's a little too much. That'd be something. No, I mean, if they got if they if they cleared some cap space, which they have absolutely none, zero. I mean, they could they could sign a, a decent free agent to help them out, but. I mean the team is pretty much intact and I don't I don't I could see them coming to the final. I don't think they have to make any moves. If yeah. if if they just block out the media and they are set with who they have, uh they don't really need to do much. I think they'll they'll I think they'll get to the finals next year. Bold prediction. Not that bold, but I think they'll make it just on the <laughs> fact that they have talent and they have experience and they have people that that know how to get there. Definitely. I mean they just need to whine less. 
Oh yeah, they Trust were not the, the the Spurs made them look so much not much of a class act. The Spurs they get a foul, okay, whatever. LeBron will just sit on the court and whine about it and let somebody score. And it's like you're not gonna change the call. It's like just get up, man. That's the only problem I have with LeBron is he needs to just kind of just kind of shut it and play. Yeah, it's like you're not gonna get everything you want just because you're awesome. So that's a big knock I have on LeBron. I think D Wade is worse with it. Honestly, I've seen him you know flop on the floor like yeah, a he's gotten worse child. I think over the years. More with LeBron coming in, kind of rubbed off on him a little bit. I think they rubbed off on each other. It was just they just combined, made a flopping team. Yeah. Then you add guys like Shane Battier, who comes from I personally think a flopping school in Duke. Um, they just they're really entitled as well. I don't know. I didn't. I'm not a big fan of them. Obviously, as as people can probably yeah, tell right the, now, the fans aren't even really a big fan of them. Did you see them <laughs> in like the in the sixth game when they thought they were gonna lose? Everyone left. There was a guy interviewed. He's like, "I'm never buying season tickets again. I've been a season ticket holder for ten years. Oh, man. You know, Give screw this." And it's like, and then and then they win. It's like the fans the fans aren't even fans. They just see it on TV and they're like, "Oh, this is the thing to do." And it's like they don't have the clubs anymore. They got Miami. They got the Heat. They're gonna go to a Heat game because that's the social event to do. They don't really care. Yeah, exactly. You know, they show up. Half a quarter late, they yep. leave half a quarter early. Exactly, that's not a true. That's not a comeback. true fan base, not at all. No, it's not. I think they're one of the worst fan bases in uh, professional sports, definitely. Yeah. And like if you would look on like ESPN when they do that, like who do you think would win in the finals, the Spurs or the Heat? Everybody in the United States went Spurs, even Florida. The state of Florida wanted the Spurs. It's hard to root so. against the Spurs, though. Like you said, they're such a class act team. They're they've won four championships with Duncan. They just do everything. They don't get talked about ever. You're not going to see them as the headlining story on SportsCenter, especially not with Tim Duncan or something. He barely shows yeah. any emotion on the floor. But The only time they get headlines is when Tony Parker does something. <laughs> Tony Parker's got a little more flash. He has yeah. a little flash. I think they need it, though, because otherwise just a pick-and-roll game, it works. It's efficient. Yeah. I, people find it boring, though, so they just don't get as many accolades. Yeah. If it ain't broke, heat. don't fix it. Right. They've been doing it for years. But yeah, you know, I think I I actually have to disagree with you. Backtracking a little bit on um, you said you didn't think that the Heat need to do anything in the off season. I think they got called out on some pretty glaring uh, problems they have with their team with not guarding the, the perimeter. They left the perimeter yeah. open a lot. I mean, but I feel the, like with that talent, they could work on it, but they could also change some things. Definitely, I think I think that was just game plan problems with the whole Danny Green going off the first five game things because they were. Double team and Tony Parker most of the time, and Danny Green was just fine in the open areas and drilling his threes, except for game six and seven when they really, really needed it, unfortunately. But, yeah. you know, I think one of the biggest things, though, is what are they going to do down low? They're, they're probably going to lose Birdman to, in this offseason, who helped immensely. The games that he was out, they just got bullied in the post. And then Chris Bosch is, there's no doubt about it, he's not a tough forward. He's not. A big and strong forward. He's not going to body many people down low. He's a great player. I think he takes too much flack for the problems that happen with the Heat. But you know, at the end of the day, he scored zero points in Game Seven. Yeah, and then and then with somebody with that kind of contract, he's going to make about twenty two million in like the coming seasons. It's like you need to score more than that. You got to score more. You got. I zero mean, points. I could. No, I couldn't have. But I mean, <laughs> just saying. You know, it's like you're. If you got that big a name, you're the big three. You got to come up like that. I mean, rebounds are rebounds, but you need points because points are what wins games. Right. You and know. he didn't even. I, I'm not. Again, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm. I'm fairly certain he didn't net too many boards either in that game. I think he. Yeah, just, he was pretty silent. He just didn't show up in the biggest game of the season, which you can't do. I think they. 
They have a couple other spots they need to fill. If they could get a couple decent, bigger, big men like a, for like Chris Bosh. Like an Andrew Bynum? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think they need to yeah. deal with all of that. An and Andrew Bynum or like a Greg Oden? Greg Oden, though, they've been throwing that name around. They've been talking a little bit in this offseason. They're both interested. I think that would actually be a pretty great move for them because they could get them for league minimum. And, yeah, it's a high-risk, high-reward type thing, similar to Birdman. Birdman's name was dead in the NBA. They just needed a bigger body, someone to throw in there cheap who could be good and is physically strong where they need a lot of help rebounding and defending the post. You know, I think you can get all those things from Greg Oden. Worst-case scenario, his knee or foot goes out again. You know, I think he's a good guy. I don't want to see that happen, but that's the worst-case scenario. Mm -hmm. And you're out... I don't know, $500,000, something like that. Or he could be a beast and be strong like we thought he might have been in Ohio State. He's obviously not going to be as good as we thought, but if he can put in solid you know, 15, 20 minutes a game, grab some boards, body some people down low like Roy Hibbert, who just at times embarrassed Chris Bosh. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that can definitely help them out a lot. That's their biggest problem right there, and I think Bosh – isn't isn't working out at that forward position. Yeah, you were talking worst-case scenarios. We could go with a best-case scenario. I'd forgotten about this, but I always liked the Utah Jazz, and they had a couple good big men with Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap, but both are free agents or unrestricted free agents. What if the Heat and the Jazz got a little trade going where they send Bosh over to Utah for Al Jefferson? I think that would make them more of a viable team next year than this year. That would be scary. That would be scary to see. I think that would be that could be a missing piece because he's a big, physical, strong guy, but he can score. He can light it up, too. Oh, yeah. um, that I actually haven't thought about that. That's a good point, though, because I've wanted the Pistons to try to get one of those guys with all their cap space. But that would be pretty... That would be a scary team. That would be a f- really formidable team because I think... There would be no stopping them probably oh, that, if they did that. Not at all. Not don't at tell. All. Uh, don't tell Pat Riley this. Hopefully he doesn't <laughs> yeah. realize what's going down. I feel like he already knows about it and he's just wishing that he could do it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's possible. I don't know if the Jazz would be down for that, but I don't Chris, think they would. But Chris Bosh is still a good player. I think if he went on a team that didn't have LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, he could shine a lot more. Similar to like when he was with the Raptors. Yeah, he need he, like the only way that a, a trade would work is, is if Bosch went to a team that needed a missing piece as a big man, or needed a missing piece as like a sixth man who was a big man, something like that. Otherwise, if they he's gonna go to some like low market, low budget team that's no good, and they're like, okay, we're gonna give the ball to you. He's not, he's not, he's not that same <laughs> like guy. In Toronto. He, yeah, he's not the same guy he was in Toronto. But I mean, I know Toronto probably doesn't like him after what he did, but they could use his help again. I mean, they got Rudy Gay and Kyle Lowry. I mean, you put Bosch back in there, and they got kind of. I mean, they already have. Uh, they already have the rookie, or not the rookie, but the the young guy. I forget his name, but he's the the big center for Toronto. Let me pull up the depth the depth chart. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'm blanking on this one. I know, I, but you know, you know who I'm speaking of. I do. Yeah. I do. They could pair up well. I, I'm I'm blanking though. But anyway, yeah, if that worked out, I think the Toronto's would be decent if they get them back. But yet again, folks, we're talking best case scenarios that would almost never happen. Yeah, we're <laughs> then watch throwing, this happen in like two months, and then they're like, there. "Oh my gosh, you guys are great." Yeah. Then we're geniuses. <laughs> yeah, and we're geniuses. ESPN can ink us a deal. Oh we'll yeah, here first. Oh exactly. <laughs> yeah, mark our words. No, but again, I, th- I just think the Heat they got they got to make a move. I think that people, a lot of people, have been saying this was the biggest test for LeBron and the Heat. 
I got to think opposite. I think it was probably the biggest test up until now. The, the, the Spurs are a tougher team to face in the finals, I think, than the Thunder were last year because it was the Thunder's first time. The Heat, I mean, the excuse me, the Spurs, this was their... This was Tim Duncan's fifth championship, Pop's fifth championship. You know, they'd been there before. They know what they're doing. So I think it's the toughest as of yet, but I think next year is going to be a lot tougher. Do you think they need a new coach? Do you think the coach, that Eric Spolster, might have something to do with it? That he kind of, like, walked into the job that he already had. It's like, he was all right, but then you give him a bunch of superstars, and he's like, well, his team automatically gets better because you have LeBron. But then I remember, like, right when, like, the chemistry wasn't working, they completely blamed him. And I don't think it was all his fault because you see with, like, the Lakers, they don't have chemistry. That was half the reason why they did bad. And they look terrible. And they look terrible. And, and, look terrible. and, and that's my opinion because, I mean, you think, oh, superstar team, just throw some people in there, they'll work well. I mean, the Pistons didn't have superstar players when they won the championship. It was all chemistry. They all right. passed the ball. They shared. I mean, the Lakers didn't do that. The Heat didn't do that well. But I think that Eric's, if they had a better coach, that they definitely would have beat the Thunder in the finals when they uh, versed them. Was the, the Mavericks. Fun? The Mavericks. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, so the Mavericks. Yeah. I think they would have beaten the Mavericks if they had a better coach. Probably. I think they would have then. At this point, I think, you know, he's been to three... NBA Finals now. Like, he knows what he's doing. I think he knows a little more what he's doing. I think he's not that great of a coach. He just, like you said, he has superstars on his team, but I think at this point, it'd be counteractive for the Heat to go ahead and try to get another coach. It would shake things up a little too much. Yeah, um, it, would, it would, I don't know, contradicting myself, it would ruin the chemistry that they're already building. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, so. they're, starting to, they're starting to get comfortable with each other. I remember, like you said, when their chemistry was just lacking their first season together, they were seemed like they were a week away to just axe Spolstra and yeah. put Pat Riley back in that coaching position. But I think at this point, he knows what he's doing. He's not the best coach in the league, but he's not terrible. Um, obviously good enough to win championships. And like you said earlier in the show, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. Um, I guess I'm kind of contradicting myself as well because I'm saying they need to make a couple moves. But I think the coaching position is uh, not the point where they need to make it. Great. All right, folks. Uh We've been talking a lot of basketball. We need a little breather here. Uh, we're going to take a break real quick, and we'll be right back with some MLB All-Star talks and some uh, JV Kate Upton stuff. We'll be right back. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Monday nights from 8 till 10, the Asian Invasion brings you the music from the rising sun. We'll bring you the latest pop, indie, rock, and electro from Korea, Japan, and China. Only on Impact 89FM. An ordinary day, an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids. And they were doing nothing. When suddenly... That's a personal foul. Inactive activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Let's play. And play they did. There was running and jumping and laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Go online to smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you, and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now, back to Impact Exposure. 
Hey, what's up, folks? This is Louis Blada here on Sports Rap with Dan Tyler. We are hosting today in the uh, Sports Rap Summer Series. Uh, we talked a lot of basketball this last half hour, but we're going to switch it up with a little baseball. We have the All-Star Game coming up soon. Uh, one thing we wanted to talk about, uh, if we and if you, the listeners, agree, if you think that the format that they go with now by the winner gets home field advantage in the playoffs, if you think that's good, if you think that's good for the game, the players, you know, that, that sort of thing. My opinion on it is I think it is good. It, um... It makes it a little bit more fun and competitive compared to, like, say, the Pro Bowl. What, completely different sports. I'm not trying to compare the sports. But um, the Pro Bowl, they have nothing to play for. People just screw around. They just kind of lack luster. They just kind of gallivant around. You have, like, J.J. Watt scoring touchdowns. Like, it's really, there's really no point to it. But by making the home field advantage, like, you can see that players are having fun. And that's mostly, mainly the point of it, just celebrating how good you've done so far. But at the same time, it makes you want to play. And it gives it, it, gives it a reason. Now, uh, my counterpart here, Dan... Was a little iffy on it, and uh, Dan, why are you iffy on that? I don't know. I gotta say, you're gonna beat me in this argument, to be completely honest, because those are good reasons why they, it should determine who has home field advantage in you know somewhere in the playoffs or in the World Series, like with baseballs, like how baseball is doing it. Um, I just don't, I just don't like how a game where I feel like they kind of take it seriously in the MLB, but not all that seriously. I don't like that it that determines what happens in the World Series. You know, obviously Verlander getting tuned up in the first inning last year when he started the All-Star game, they already pretty much lost by the first inning. Yeah. And that came back to nip Verlander and the Tigers in the butt. When, I mean, we probably need a little more than a home field advantage oh, yeah, to have, uh, beat I mean, the Giants last year. Yeah. But, you know, we don't have home field advantage because they lost the All-Star game, which kind of doesn't really matter that much i don't know i don't like it but i have no better alternative to make people try because like you said i don't watch the pro bowl I, I think you said you don't either no i do not watch it i don't know a lot of people none of my friends are hitting me up like hey man we gotta watch the pro bowl in an hour like oh, come yeah. over or bring the popcorn i remember watching as a kid it just made me jealous that I wasn't a football player and I wasn't getting all this like a free vacation to Hawaii. To Hawaii like, they're right. all they all got hula's on and they're all just like, oh, it's so nice here. I'm just not going to do much. Just walk around like, nah. I mean, it's not for me. The other thing about the MLB All Star Game, I w what I don't agree with is how they pick the players. I do not agree with the fans voting. Like I am tired of seeing Derek Jeter play in the starting lineup every single year because okay, I'm not doubting he is one of the best and that he has talent, but his time is gone. He shouldn't be starting in all-star games anymore. He's not this year. I mean, he's been out all year with an injury, and I, I mean, it's kind of mean. I'm glad that he was because I don't want to see him in that position. Like, I didn't want to see A-Rod at first base. Like, oh, I'm, I'm tired of seeing all that, that random stuff with the, with the fans voting. It should strictly be just have a panel of people, just like how when you pick the Cy Young Award winner and like all that, and the MVP, have a panel of people. Who's done the best so far? That's who's going to be the position. And I, I don't have a problem with the fans voting after that. I don't know, like with the with the people going down. I mean, or like you have the the panel pick the first two and the fans vote the rest. But uh, I definitely have a problem with the votes. Uh, I was tired of not seeing, even though when I was younger the Tigers weren't very good. But like you know, <laughs> you know we got Tigers going. We got Tigers coming now, and they are winning votes. We got Cabrera first at third base. Uh, Prince is creeping up to beat out uh, uh, the guy who's competing for, from the Orioles, who's competing uh, with Cabrera for the Triple Crown. I forget his name. Chris Davis. Chris yeah, Davis. Yeah, he's yes. killing it right now. He It'll is. I don't know if you've seen out. the if you've seen the stats, but uh, between the home runs, batting average, RBIs, and like on base percentage, it is a one two one two one two one two. Like they are just yeah. They are in a they are in a dead heat. Uh, I don't doubt that Cabrera will just stay hot because he is who he is. I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. The Davis guy. I mean, if he went cold after the All Star game. 
wouldn't surprise me. But I mean, hey, good for him that he's doing what he does now. I mean, and Johnny Peralta, he's the other guy. He's in second place to play shortstop. I mean, I don't even know if he deserves that because I question whether or not he's taking steroids. Uh, uh, yeah, he yeah. was named on that list. I, I mean, he, uh, that. Good point. he when he came here, he was like batting 200, doing all right. Next season, he bats 300, almost gets 100 RBIs, goes to the All-Star game, and it's just like, oh, maybe he just found a swing. Next season, pfft, nothing. Like, yeah. he, he just crapped the bat again. He was batting, like, just around the 200 level. And then, look at this season. Batting 300 again, just hit a walk-off home run. Like, I mean, he's he's just an average player. And, I mean, I'm kind of for... He, he, he beat the system. He's not getting... He's not failing drug tests at all. And, uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with it because, I mean... If he wouldn't have taken these, he would have lost the job. He wouldn't be playing for the Tigers. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't have the role he has now. He would have been like helping out some veterans and playing a reserve role for some other, just some other team. But so I mean, if he's taking them, you know, whatever. He's not the only one, and that's I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah. But uh, other and also you know going with the baseball, we got Jim Leland being the manager, and I think that Max Scherzer. Even though you're like, oh, Jim Leland's the manager, he's the Tigers, of course he's going to pick Scherzer. I think Scherzer des- deserves to start the game. Going 11-0 is not an easy task. Now, granted, his ERA is not starting All-Star worthy. And Clay Buckholds, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, it's argued that he should definitely get the, the starting nod. But he's been, he's been hurt, and he's been out a month. I mean, if he would have played that month, could he have done better or worse? I don't know. But I think Scherzer should definitely get the start. What do you think? Um, yeah, you know, it's it's pretty tough, honestly. I'm not really sure who I would pick at this point. I would, I would probably say Scherzer, but I'm also biased. You're not so Scherzer? <laughs> I'm not so Scherzer. That's a good <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I like it. Like I Break down the numbers. You know, we got Scherzer 11-0, like you said, a 3.05 ERA, which isn't great. Obviously, he has probably the best offense in baseball behind him, and they happen to be giving him, you know, good runs apart when he goes out there every day. And then you have Buckholtz 9-0 with a 1.71 ERA, which is quite a bit better. Um, like you said, though, he's been hurt. He's been battling some injuries. So he might not even want to start, you could say that. I would I would say Scherzer just based on he's historically and he, winning he deserves games. it yeah he, i think he just deserves and, it and you know he's a strikeout guy everybody likes to see strikeouts a little more entertaining for the fans as well yeah. i would like to see him out there i think we probably will see him out there um but no doubt that clay buckholtz is right up there with him and i i wouldn't be surprised if i saw either one of those guys go out there and get the starting nod yeah i'll surprise us here we're not going to see justin verlander in the game i'm oh, not no. i'm not i mean it's disappointing, but a guy that's done so well, and then now he's just kind of what was his record again? It was like six and five or eight and four, eight, eight and five eight with and five. a three nine zero ERA. It's like what happens to a guy like that? And I have a theory. This is a far fetched theory, and this and I know nothing about it. I know nothing about Justin Verlander, but I think he's doing bad, or this is just aiding while he's doing bad. He's got a little bit of a broken heart. I, I think I think because uh, him and Kate Upton, they're they're not going anymore. I don't know if any of you saw the the tweet. It was either this week or the early this week, late last week, where uh, she tweeted at one of his best friends, happy birthday from a friend of a friend who is no longer my friend. <laughs> that hurts it's a little brutal, bit. The, the that, 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 that's, a little, that's a little brutal. And, uh, you know, you'd, uh, you'd wonder what, what did he do? What did he do that she, uh, we don't know what happened. They kept it very secret. You don't know what he did that, that they're no longer together. I do know that he broke it, broke it off with his long, long time girlfriend for her. And then maybe he's like regretting that. He's like, oh, I threw it all away for this 19-year-old supermodel that, you know, whatever. But, you know, it must have been pretty bad because, 
I mean, he signed one of the biggest contracts in MLB history, and then she runs. I mean, somebody like her, wouldn't you want to run to the money? I mean, it doesn't doesn't seem like she's hurting for cash right now, you know? You True. I mean, she can go with... In the I media. mean, she, she's just jumping. She's doing the whole uh, celebrity port st- sports star merry-go-round. She had Mark Sanchez. Now she's oh, got yeah. JV. She's rumored with Blake Griffin now. I mean, she can do what she wants. I think JV has a broken heart, folks. I think it's. I think that has a little bit to do with it because you don't do what he's done year in and year out, and then all of a sudden just come out flat. Now, granted, he did almost throw a no hitter against the Astros earlier this year, but to his credit, that is the Astros, and they're not very good. <laughs> good point. So that should prove that 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 kind of goes against, I guess, what I'm saying because he was showing his pure talent against the worst team, so he can just destroy the worst team still. But when it comes to your average to better teams. He doesn't have that stuff anymore. Now, is that because of he's messed up mentally? Who knows? I don't know. No one will really know. I mean, maybe after the All-Star break, he'll heat back up again. And this whole thing that I'm telling you is completely wrong. I mean, I don't know. You don't know. No one knows. But I think that has something to do with it. I, I definitely think. agree. I mean, looking at it from a numbers standpoint, the numbers definitely agree with your heartbreak theory. Here, you know, look at 2011, pre-Kate Upton and JV dating. He went 24-5. and five, at a 2-4-0 ERA with 250 strikeouts. And I don't need to say also winning the AL Cy Young and the MVP, which no. is rare for a pitcher to win. He had one of the best, if not the best, year for a starting pitcher of all time. You know, definitely up there, at the very least. So then, you know, he gets a lot of notoriety. He gets pretty famous, more famous than he was already. So he attracts the likes of Kate Upton. Obviously, she's someone who can, you know, pull a guy like Justin Verlander away from a long relationship for reasons that will go unsaid. So then his production drops off a little bit the next year. You know, not terrible. While they're dating, he he goes 17-8, and a 2.64 ERA, 239 strikeouts. Maybe a little distracted, getting a little wet feet while he's on the mound. He's like, oh, yeah. she's watching me. Yeah, she's watching you know, me. I better do good. Oh, sweaty hands, ball slips. I would be I would be nervous if uh, Kate Upton was watching me pitch. Let's just yeah. say that, you know. Um, but it dropped off a little bit. And then they break up. And they obviously, like you said, they probably didn't have a clean breakup. And she's someone who's in the media constantly. You hear about her dating Diddy who, you know, odd fact is over double her age. He's 43, she's 21. A little creepy by you, Diddy. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> and now, you know, she's she's rumored to be with all these other guys. Right now she's rumored to be with Blake Griffin. She's just, she's doing her thing. Justin Verlander probably has to, he's got, he hears about it, you know. And now his numbers are not what we're used to seeing from Justin Verlander. A little Mo Money Mo Problems syndrome from JV. <laughs> Gets that contract, and then look at all that happens. He's gone. Stats go up. Gets the money, but loses the girl. Usually oh, the girl like the that. girl, and the stats. Right. Oh, well, let's hope he can turn that around. One more thing about the Tigers rotation. I read an interesting article on Yahoo a few days ago about what the starting rotation does during a game. When a uh, certain pitcher, take Scherzer for Sand, is on the mound, the rest of the starting pitchers, Sanchez, Fister, Verlander, Porcello, what they do is they stand at the gate, or not the gate, well, you know, the little the wall, fans, the yeah. fans, where the dugout is, and they watch, and they bet on and predict what every pitch the pitcher is going to throw. Every single one. And that helps them. Not only is that creative and, you know, keeps you interested so you're not bored and you're just, like, blowing bubble with your bubble gum or just spitting dip everywhere. But um, <laughs> Or drinking that, like Boston used oh, to yeah. in the clubhouse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that would be bad. But um, 
it helps them in like a four-game series if you're going against the Indians. If you're watching Scherzer throw fastballs up high and everybody's hitting it, that'll let uh, Sanchez know, I shouldn't be throwing that to, uh, like, Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon's on the Indians. Johnny Damon, like, he's, if he's going to hit that, I can't throw that. I think that's good. That's unique. Uh, I don't know of any other starting rotation that does that. I mean, it obviously works because they are on pace to break the all-time strikeouts record. It was held by the Chicago Cubs back when they had Zambrano and Kerry Wood. That was a pretty good lineup that they oh, no yeah. longer have. Those guys no longer play. No. <laughs> I don't know about Zambrano, but definitely Wood's out of there. I think Zambrano, I think his attitude eventually took him out of the league sometime around oh, last yeah. year. I could be wrong about that. At least I haven't heard his name recently. No, he was on the, I think he was on the Marlins last I heard. Yeah, that's not going to help out uh, your career too much. No, he was fun to watch, but, I mean, I mean when you talk too much, you, you eventually get killed. <laughs> yeah. No, but that definitely could probably lead to some of their success. They're one of the better starting rotations in the league. And then combine that with one of the better offenses in the league, you'd think that they'd be unstoppable. Unfortunately, the bullpen is a little... Yeah, the bullpen is a is another story. I'm glad Valverde. I'm glad that he got designated for his assignment. I don't know if you heard what Dombrowski said though about putting him down there. They said that they're going to send him down there and they they're going to fix him and bring him back up. He's he's broke and you can't fix him. He whatever happened to him, whatever it is, I don't think he's going to get it back. He's good enough where he's going to like put up some numbers in the minors because he's better than the new guys that are coming up. But he obviously, as shown this season, can't pitch anymore in the MLB, and nobody's going to pick him up off waivers. I mean, there's a few days left. I mean, I think there's like I think there's a week. I think there's seven days left, and I don't think he's going to get picked up. And sadly, they're going to bring him back. I think it's waving a, a white flag, kind of, that they don't want to go out and spend big bucks on a closer or make some blockbuster trade for like a, a Papelbon, somebody like that. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, we will see him back if they fix him somehow. I mean, I will be ecstatic as everybody else will. But I think that they should uh, just go get some kind of reliever before the trade deadline somewhere and hope that you can just work with a closer into the World Series. I know a clo- you need a closer. That's one of the most important positions in baseball. Oh, yeah. And you're not, it's hard to win a World Series without one. Hopefully he can come back. Or hopefully they prove everybody wrong and they make some deal and they get somebody. Or that Rondo, Rondone, that Rondone decides to... Get get control of his fastball and starts doing some work, but yeah, I was hoping he would be the answer in the beginning of the no. year. Then we got Valverde back, who's kind of like a nightmare scenario for Detroit fans. You know, I, I didn't want to be so hard on him last year after two years ago, and he didn't blow a single save. But just seeing the him choke in big times as well, I just couldn't defend him anymore. I would personally rather not see him back in a Detroit uniform after this but uh, yeah I I tend to agree with you and like I'm glad that he cut out the other thing I didn't like about him I didn't like that he did all his little fancy stuff like his beard was was blue and white he would spit water everywhere he would dance it's just like okay you know what when you when you get all your saves do whatever you want you yeah. earned it but now you're blowing stuff and you're still dancing and you're dying your beard just get your head on straight and try to win a game save a game exactly I was just gonna say that you know you can every time you throw a strike if you're blowing Zero saves a year. You can do the Dougie out there on the mound yep. for 10 seconds all you want. It's already a slow game. It would make it a little yeah. more exciting. Pull a little Drew Stanton and do but, a Dougie. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but, you know, if you're blowing, I forgot how many saves he's blown this year. I want to say it's like four or five. Something like that, you know. Not not good for this point in the season, definitely. And you're still doing your whole strikeout dance and going insane crazy like he usually does when he finally does get a close, even though they're up by three runs. 
you know, I don't want to see that. You got to be better to do stuff like that, really. It's just, it's annoying. But it shows how desperate that we are that we keep giving them chances because we have nobody better to put up there. I don't think Benoit's not that great. I don't want to see Phil Coke with the ball in his hands when it really matters. Yeah. I mean, Smiley, I like, if they could put Smiley almost every day as a reliever, I mean, we would be. We'd be almost locked because I don't mind Benoit doing the closing position for now until they find a. He's a, he's option, okay for but. now. I think they got to shop around a lot though. He's yeah, I think they do too. But it, there comes a point where Illich can't stop just he he can't just keep shelling out the money because I mean okay he can but that is totally going to bite the Tigers team in about five years. We're going to have no money like once he passes because I mean it's just going to happen. He's right. old. Yeah, you saw yeah. you saw him when they won the AL. He they he couldn't even stand. He's <laughs> not going to be. I mean he's not going to. I don't think he's going to live to see his new stadium being built. And I don't know. Eventually there's going to be all these huge contracts. People are going to start falling apart, and I don't know. They're going to turn into like a like a Yankees for a little bit, and just be have all these max contracts. I can't sign anyone. They need help. And I think that they're kind of realizing that, and they're not going to just go shell out a whole bunch of money, and they don't want to give away a bunch of uh, prospects either, because you can't just keep a whole bunch of, you know, all your superstars eventually are going to age, and you need to bring, they only have a very few that they could actually bring up, like Castellanos. Yeah, I've heard he he might be getting a shot coming up. You know, I got to... I gotta ask a question. I haven't done any research on this, but where's Quentin Berry been this Quentin year? Quentin Berry. Quentin. They. Uh, he is no longer with the team. Oh, that's they got. They got rid of him. He was doing pretty bad in Toledo, Man. and they got. They got rid of him. Unfortunately, I know. I like that. Every time we'd go up, I would think of uh, the Halle Berries. I'd be like Quentin Berry. Quentin <laughs> Berry. But no. Uh, he was fun to watch. I really enjoyed him. But he's no longer with the with the Tigers. They got too much help out there. I mean, they got Torrey Hunter now. Avisel Garcia. I like him in the outfield. Um, one more thing, though, I just thought about with Justin Verlander that I have noticed. He's so good that this year he doesn't get um, the regular lineup. Every time he pitches, I've noticed you got Don Kelly in left. You've got your uh, you've got Avisel behind the plate. You don't have Alex Avila, Avila calling his games anymore. Uh, that might also have something to do with it. You don't have your usual guys giving you support in the batting, right. giving you support behind the box. Uh, that might have a lot to do with it, or a little bit to do with it. Just depends on. I mean, nobody really knows because he keeps saying, yeah, you know, I'm bad. I'll get better. I'm getting better. I like it. I'm getting better. And, you know, he can only say that for so long before you're like, man, you are you going to get better? Please get better. I mean, he hasn't been getting better. His last two starts, he's only lasted five innings. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had 100 pitches. He had 100 pitches already in five. Now, granted, it was against the Red Sox, one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah. But still, for him, he should have gone a little bit longer. But you do. Everybody does have their bad outings. You got to credit Verlander. He can't be awesome all the time. Right. But he needs to start being awesome all the time because he's uh, he's I don't know the word he's for it. He's getting the money to be yeah. awesome. Yes, and and his mulligans are gone. His mulligans are about gone. Everyone wants to see him because I mean he's turning. He's the ace. But Scherzer right now is it uh, would be the ace right in he my is mind. Right now. Like, yeah, you know I think and then part of that also I think we're just a little spoiled. Oh, Without, definitely. We're used to JV, you know. Like I said, in, in 2011, he only lost five games. Yep. And now he's already lost five games, and we're not even at the All Star break. So that's kind of shocking to see. Um, and that's it's not it's not good for him. But you know, we're we're used to him being amazing and dominant all the time. He's not. He's gonna have his off days and stuff. I think he just needs to limit them a little more and settle in a little bit. You know, he's he just doesn't seem that comfortable you know in 2011 even in 2012 a little bit every time he went out on the field i could expect him to go at least seven and give up like two runs and k about nine guys oh yeah just expect everybody in the outfield having their little k signs up i mean you don't see the k signs up anymore for verlander not as much you see him for scherzer but i mean 
Yeah, you know, you usually see Verlander at the, at the top of the strikeout list, and he's you know, he's top 10, I think, this year. I think last time I saw he was 7th or something like that, but usually you expect a little more out of him. Him and Scherzer are usually right there, like 1, 2, 3, that area, but now Scherzer's the only one occupying that top spot. Yep. And I sure hope that Peralta doesn't get suspended, but I think he's going to. I think he's caught. You see the patterns. You see what he's doing now. I think he's caught red-handed. Nothing he can do about it. And that'll put the, the not beyond the the bullpen and the closer spot. That'll just put them in another hole and another reason why to make you think, man, are they going to go to the World Series? Is this really is this really going to happen this year? Can, or even if they make it, can they survive? Because Ramon Santiago isn't going to win you a World Series. No, he's a good utility man, but he's not yeah. going to be able to go out there every day and do I it. Mean, I, I, they can only make if that happens. They can only, they're going to make some. They're going they have to make some desperate move. They have to make a desperate move for some position, and we're going to lose some guy that we've wanted to see for a while. I, I don't think they would trade Castellanos unless Peralta's traded. I think we might lose Castellanos for some whoever they trade for. They're going to have to make them long term. Like they have to be in the pitcher for the next few seasons. Whoever they get, reliever, closer, shortstop, because Peralta's getting up there in age. Uh, you need to. They need to. Whatever they do, it's got to be long term. It can't be just a little fix just to win the World Series because it's going to be just like. Well, actually, not just like at all. But I would say just like the Ravens. You know, they win and now they're just getting. They're dumping all their players. Everyone's gone. Like yeah. you, you wonder if the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl again next year or even make it to the playoffs. They lost half their I defense. I don't wonder. I don't think they're. Yeah, gonna I don't think they're going to be either. I mean, they, but their offense is now gone. You still get your quarterback and your running back. That's all you got. And I mean, same thing with the Tigers. I mean, they're they've made it the World Series. It's going to be one of those things. Where kids that are like 10 now, and they look back, and when they're 18, they look back at a team, and they're like, man, how did they not win a championship? Kind of like when you look back at like the Sacramento Kings when they lost to the Lakers, oh, yeah. and they had like Chris Webber and Mike Bibby, Mike Bibby and they had like all those guys, like, and you're like, exactly, when he was great, and you're just like, man, those are great players. How did they not win? It's okay, they went up against Kobe and Shaq. But at that, you know, and that's just unfortunate that they had to go against them at that time yeah, in their career. That's but, tough. I mean, I don't doubt that... I hope they win a World Series, and darn it, I hope it's this year because I think their time is running out to win one. I mean, I mean, they have all these players signed for so many years, but Scherzer's up. He's a free. He is a free agent at the end of this season, and they gave Sanchez a lot of money, and he didn't do nearly as well as Sanchez or Scherzer's doing now. And Scherzer's going to want more money. He's going to get around 100 million if he if he goes like. If he starts gets like 13 wins like straight, I mean I, I don't doubt that he's gonna that his uh his his agent's gonna want to give him he's gonna blah, blah, blah. 100 million dollars is gonna be what Scherzer gets. Do, are We're the Tigers gonna, gonna the money are somehow. the Tigers gonna give it? You know I'd say I'd to. say Illich is they have to they're they have they're, to. they're 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 just tied they have to he's all in he's like I don't care what happens to this team when I'm gone he's like I want this in my resume that I want a championship and that's the other thing where does we're, I mean, we only got five minutes left. But where does the money come from? I mean, he is building a new stadium now that he is funding of his own money, $450 million. He gives $200 million to Verlander, gives $200 million to Fielder. Uh, 168 is tied up with Cabrera. There's another 100-some million with Victor Martinez. Uh, $85 million to set. And then you got the whole Red Wings team. Like, I don't know. I don't know finances. And Somebody out there has the answer, and we don't have the time for it now. But I just wonder how it's... Is this just all fake money? Where is this I don't coming know. from? Speaking of that, you know the wings. The wings are just working on the new uh, stadium coming in. What six hundred and some mil right there? I mean, I'm excited for it because I mean the Joe. The, I've always thought the Joe was nasty. I am tired of peeing in a tub every time I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I'm excited. 
But, you know, they had these plans for for Comerica Park. They had the same plans for Ford Field. And look what that turned out to. It didn't turn out to much. There isn't much there other than the stadiums itself. I hope that this has changed because this stadium is across the highway. And it's in an area where nobody goes. There's a bunch of buildings no one cares about. Whereas the other, they just stuck them in a couple areas. That's where they stuck Ford Field, Comerica Park. They stuck them in some areas and like, here you go, have fun. Uh, the urban planning was just awful in that in that area. But with uh, with the Red Wings, I mean, they're going to put them there. They want to make this little epicenter. I hope that they make businesses and restaurants and retail. I don't think that they're going to get all that they all that they plan because Detroit is just too much of a city that nobody wants to go to other than a game. Like, I people are going to go there. People are going to drink and go to the bars. Like, I mean, there's no doubt they're going to do that. But the the whole retail business housing aspect that they want to go for with the stadium, I don't think is going to happen because families don't want to move down there. And, and yeah. families are what help out cities, and that's just not going to happen. It's a little far-fetched, but, you know, hopefully the new stadium, that new area can be cool enough. Like, I think we talked about this a little bit before, you know, drawing some more big-name players over there in recent, like, in like oh, yeah. new free agents. None of, none of the big classes. free agents want to come to the Red Wings anymore, but hopefully the stadium will be like, hey, we're going to have some new digs in about three years. You want to come play here with right. uh, the Euro Twins? People people want to go where it's cool. Yep. You know, look at the NBA. I know it's a different sport, but how how is Brooklyn going to get all that they got? You know, they got the new stadium. Yep. Jay-Z's the face of it, even though he probably owns half a percent of yep. the Nets. And they're just cool right now. They were cool last year, and that's how they got people like Johnson and, and Darren Williams and stuff like that. That's you a good know. way to put it. The, re- the Red Wings are no longer cool. They are no longer <laughs> popular. They're that, sitting but... at the other lunch table, and everybody else is like, hey, guys, come over here. Oh, you're not cool anymore. You're too old. He's eat, like, they're oh, eating man. alone like Stephen Glansberg, yeah. to give it a super bad reference. <laughs> yeah, and they're just sitting at the peanut tables trying to get people to sit with them. Right, now the Blackhawks are cool now. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, it's good that they signed Datsuk. Uh, real quick, as we uh, towards the end here, it's really it's good that they signed Datsuk. They needed him. They need him. I hope that the new digs and Datsuk and uh, what that the, the Griffins, them winning the championship has promised for the future that their prospects are going to be good and that the team can survive, which they definitely proved in the playoffs that the, that the young guys that that more than a championship in a minor league does going seven games and two series in a playoff help prepare somebody for the NHL. It's it's nothing yet you can be taught outside exactly. of doing it. You know, it's kind of the kind of I think like opposite situation as the Tigers. Like we said, with the Tigers, we have it now. We're not really sure about the future. Yeah. I think the Wings they have something now. Not exactly what we're used to in hockey town. Yeah. But they got a bright future. They've made some pretty smart moves. Like you said, re-signing Datsuk. That's the biggest one. He is a wizard on the ice. You can't you can't win without him, or the Wings couldn't win without him. No, and that's the other yeah. thing is we got with the minor league system. We got to create a new captain. Like once Zetterberg's gone, I mean I don't know who we would. Uh, I don't. I don't really know who would take the spot. I mean, Cronwall, he seems like kind of a leader, but I feel like they would either have to trade or sign a captain from another team in order to fill that spot because they don't really have anybody that I see right now coming in that would be a good captain. You know, maybe groom somebody next year. Someone like Abdul Kader could yeah, be good or at like it. Like a Nyquist. You know? Nyquist, a good young guy. He could be in there for a while. You know, I, I've I've heard actually. Kind of funny now that Dak Suk, they didn't want to give him the actual captain's role because he's just supposed to be brutal with English. Oh, he is. Have you seen his doctor? Oh, well, I don't, you don't live in the Detroit area. I live. Oh, have the you Dr. seen the Romani commercials? The, the, you should. Do. Oh yeah. man, it's oh, brutal. Yeah. Uh-uh. He doesn't uh-uh. know. What and he's then saying. now you have Andre Drummond. He's like, 
I'm Andre Drummond. Go get your eyes at Dr. Romani. And then it's like, hey man, you got to put some like some zing to it. I mean, we had we had uh, Rip Hamilton doing it for a while. You know, Rip was excited. He's like, yeah, Dr. Romani. Now you got like you know, Paul like, Oh yeah, no. I'm glad that Zetterberg got the nod, but they need to groom a new cor- a new captain for the future. Yeah, I would throw I'll throw my you know support behind Abdulkader. I think he'd be pretty great at that. All right, folks, uh, thanks for listening today. Thanks for uh, tuning into this new summer sports series here at Sports Rap. I'm Louis Bellata. Yeah, Dan Tyler. And uh, this is Sports Rap. Have a good night, guys. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Rap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.